Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin Campus and beyond. A production of the Bowdoin Sustainability Office with your hosts, Marie Kaspard and Holden Turner. Telling stories about sustainability from the perspective of students, staff, and community members. This week, Marie and I sat down with Kate Holcomb, director of Canopy Farms. I got to know Kate while working at Tao Yuan, an Asian fusion restaurant in Brunswick run by chef Kara Stadler. Behind Tao Yuan and above the future site of Zhaozi Cafe rises an enormous greenhouse where Kate spends most of her time. You're about to hear our conversation about how Canopy Farms brings together ideas of sustainable business, local food, and aquaponics systems. So my name is Kate Holcomb. I'm the director and co-founder of Canopy Farms, which is... Um, an aquaponics greenhouse in partnership with Taoyuan Restaurant. So uh, the owners, Kara and Cecile Stadler, own Taoyuan Restaurant, Bao Bao Dumpling House, Zauza Cafe, which is kind of currently housed at Taoyuan, but will be in the same building as Canopy Farms. And is that good for an introduction? <laughs> That's great for an introduction. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so moving on to aquaponics. Aquaponics is a production system that uses fish and plants on a loop to um, basically grow in an ecological way, um, minimizing water capacity or water usage. And um, the fish supply fertilizer for the plants and the plants filter the water for the fish. Um, there's kind of a third player in the system too, the unsung hero, which is the beneficial bacteria. Um, that bacteria processes the waste from the fish into usable fertilizer for the plants. And so the farmer in an aquaponic system is tasked with maintaining that um, system in balance for all three of those living parts. So sort of similar to how an organic farmer would um, not only be cultivating the vegetables that they grow, but also the soil that they're growing in. Um, the equivalent here is me maintaining those biological organisms that are keeping our aquaponic system um, processing waste in a way that makes everybody happy. So for you, it sounds like your, um, your soil is really water in this case. Yeah, it's the water and, and all of the surfaces that that water is touching in our system where those beneficial organisms are growing. So I've had the luxury of seeing this greenhouse because I work at Tao and I've come over and said hi to you. Um, mm -hmm. But for people who have not seen the greenhouse, can you describe how the plants stay up if they're, if they're growing essentially in water? Sure, so there's a few ways that you can do it. There are, I'd say three major um, types of beds in aquaponics and hydroponic systems as well. Um, one is deep water culture or raft. So in that case, you have um, usually foam board rafts uh, with holes in them and the plants are suspended so that their roots are in the water. Um, there's also nutrient film technique, which is similar. There's a channel with water running through it. And um, again, the, the roots are suspended in that water, but it's just a thin film rather than being um, completely submerged. And then um, you can also use grow media. So in our greenhouse, we use a lot of um, 
a media called hydratin, which is an expanded clay ball. It provides structure and it also provides a really high surface area um, so that, uh, again, we can cultivate those beneficial organisms, those beneficial bacteria. And it also gives more structure for larger plants that have larger root systems. I feel like I was going to add on something else to that, but it's slipping my mind. I'm sure I'll come back to it. But yeah, those are the three main the three main systems that that we grow in and that most growers will grow in as well. What kind of plants are you growing? Seems like a lot of that produce is also going to Taoyuan. Mm -hmm. um, we are growing a lot of greens. That's what does best in aquaponics because it's really um, nitrogen rich. Mm -hmm. And um, so right now we have lettuce, we have bok choy. Uh, I've got some herbs going. Um, we've got tatsoi and mizuna and some other Asian greens. Um, we have also done some fruiting crops, things like eggplant and tomatoes. Um, those aren't always quite as happy in aquaponics, although we've had some success, especially if we grow them in those media beds. Um, we also do some kind of specialty stuff for things that, um, especially when the restaurant was open for dine-in, um, we could use as garnish or kind of like beautiful touches. Um, microgreens. I do grow nasturtium flowers, which are delicious and really beautiful. Then we also do try to experiment with some less commonly available crops. Um, right now we're trying out moringa, which is a tree that's native to, I believe, Africa only, although it's also oh. possible it grows other places. And um, yeah, I was given some seed by somebody who had researched it in the past and um, we're just testing it out. It's got a lot of um, kind of medicinal high nutritive value. That's a big part of why we grow it, but it also has an interesting spicy flavor and it doesn't travel well. So you can really only get it powdered in the US. Um, and then in the future, we'd love to do some other experimentation with crops that are um, not necessarily available fresh like wasabi or lotus root uh, so you've got actual trees growing up in the greenhouse um they're about this big <laughs> so you can harvest them rather than letting them letting them grow into a full tree you can basically treat them as like a cut and come again green so you kind of let it grow to a certain size and then you sniff off its leaves leaving its growth point bud, and then it will kind of continue going. And it'll never become a big, beautiful tree, but you'll be able to um, harvest off of it continually, at least for a while. We haven't gotten there yet, but that's the plan. It's really cool. Um, so could you tell us a little about this backstory behind Canopy Farms and how it came to be? Sure. So Canopy Farms was officially founded in 2018 with the construction of our facility. Um, but the project had been underway under various names and iterations um, since at least 2013, which is when I joined on. And that was about a year or so after Taoyuan had opened and they had gotten their feet under them and they were doing well. And it had always been since they purchased the property, a dream of the family, um, Kara and Cecile, to grow um, their own produce on site. And they had come up with the idea of aquaponics. I had heard of it, but didn't really know much about it. And so um, I started trying to learn more about it as we were planning the facility, as we were gathering the resources we needed. 
in terms of, I guess, a little more on background of Canopy Farms is how we fit into the 88 Hospitality, which is the parent company um, owned by Karen Cecile. So I like to think of it as kind of a business ecosystem. You know, I'm always talking about like cycles and flows and systems. And um, in the case of the business, it does things like allow us to share resources, um, allow us to be each other's market, um, to kind of improve our efficiency. Um, and so Canopy Farms, like Taiyuan Restaurant and Baba Dumpling House and Zaza Cafe are all part of this family. Um, and, you know, especially with Taoyuan and Canopy Farms and then Zauza soon as well, we're all on site together. So they're my main market for my crops. I can transfer them directly within the company, um, which is hugely helpful and also cuts on a lot of like packaging and transportation costs and, and waste. Um, and it's absolutely the freshest that it it can be. So that's a big part of the inspiration behind Canopy Farms. In addition, um, Canopy Farms itself is organized as an L3C, which is a low profit limited liability company. So we're technically for profit, but we're mission driven. And our goal is just to break even in support of that mission. And so in addition to growing for the restaurants, we also are um, trying to, you know, improve workforce development and, um, you know, advanced production techniques in aquaponics, um, kind of be a part of the conversation community when it comes to sustainable year-round agriculture in Maine and, you know, eventually beyond. Um, and so we try and fold those missions into everything we, we do as well. That's really cool. I didn't know about the L3C part that you're mission driven and but also focusing on it's not a really nonprofit model, but it's a it's not a completely for-profit model either. That's that's a nice balance that it strikes in the middle. Yeah, I think the we talked about being a nonprofit, um, but it's actually pretty it's it felt like a kind of a hurdle, a big hurdle for us to cross in terms of like paperwork and tax filing and <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Um but the L3C is really nice for us because it allows us to still have that mission be like really central to what we're doing. It kind of defines our, our organization, but um, I don't think that making a profit is going to be a problem for us anytime soon, as in like, I don't think we're going to have to worry about having an extra profit and wondering what to do with it. Um, so I think if we hopefully get to a place where we are reaching a level of profitability, we would then be able to fold that into more kind of like educational community focused, um, you know, agriculture advancing activities as well. Cool. What other types of businesses have the L3C model to them? Are, are farms often L3C models? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know too many other businesses that are L3Cs. Um, I know it's kind of a newer structure uh, as far as things go, um, but that's an interesting question. I would, I would, I don't know of any other farms that are organized that way, but it's possible that they exist. Um, has the system like evolved significantly over time? You kind of mentioned workforce development. Is there any plans to like expand at all? Like, 
how how has it evolved over time? I guess is the primary question. <laughs> sure. Um, so over time, the project has evolved a lot before we started growing. So um, in terms of the kind of scale and scope of the building, that changed several times throughout the design and planning phase. Um, since we so we've been growing for a little over a year, um, but on a pretty limited scale. So we're still not fully operational. Um, so in terms of expansion, yes, definitely we're trying to expand to make the most of our space and kind of fill capacity. Um, and then I think once we achieve that and get our, you know, get ourselves really rolling, um, then we can sort of figure out how we would evolve from there. I think there is a dream of being a model for other organizations. So, you know, if we can make this kind of multi-use facility um, or even part, just a part of it, the aquaponics system part of it, um, functional and uh, profitable or break even, then I think it would be a really good model for other institutions like a university or a hospital or a place that would like to have the ability to kind of feed their own um, students or staff or patients or whatever it may be. So I think, you know, in looking at the long-term vision, that would be one way that we would look to expand, but that is definitely a far way off right now. We're just focused on trying to um, increase our production and kind of learn as much as we can about how to actually grow aquaponically successfully. The greenhouse right now is, is on a rooftop. It's on top of this property right next to Taoyuan. Um, what was the building like beforehand and what came what came to bear on the decision to put it on top of this other this other building? So it was actually an empty lot before um, they built there. It was an empty foundation. So when they purchased Tao, um, there was the space, which is now our facility, um, kind of just thrown into the property deal. Um, originally, it was going to be another condo building. There are some condos on the other side of our facility. Um, but I think that they were in the process of building it in 2008 when we had the financial crisis. And so um, no more condos. And they had poured the foundation but hadn't done anything else. So we had this empty foundation. It was a total eyesore for a while. It was kind of like a hole in the ground. Um, and the plan for it to be a rooftop facility, I think was always the design. So there are certain things when I came on that had already been decided. Um, and I think that that was in part because they wanted to make as much use of the space as possible and love the idea of having um, you know, the cafe, greenhouse, fish, all sort of in this one space. Um, we did consider doing something a little more like simple, probably more, you know, uh, reliably functional, like a greenhouse on the ground <laughs> somewhere. Um, and we can, you know, we talked to partners about putting it on their property and we looked at designs, but ultimately we just kind of kept coming back to this vision that we had of this rooftop facility and, um, and then enter in a bunch of, you know, designers, architects, um, the company that did the arches for a greenhouse, et cetera. And then kind of, it was a team effort to make this building come to fruition. How big is it? Like what's the, the like square footage? 
the greenhouse level itself is about 3,000 square feet. And maybe, you know, I'd say less than half of that is actual grow space, um, just in terms of, you know, stairways and equipment and aisles and stuff like that. Um, so, and that's, that's a whole level. So then the floor below us houses a commercial kitchen and future cafe space and some office space. And then in the basement, we have um, some storage, we have a laundry room, we have some, you know, like an electrical room and also the fish room and a garage. Could you talk a little about the fish? <laughs> uh, sure. So right now we have, um, we actually have three different, we have a bunch of different stuff going on right now, but we have three kind of main systems that we're operating right now. Um, the intention is for us to have one big main system um, and then one small independent system. So when that's operational, we will have um, two large culture tanks in the basement. So two large tanks for fish. Um, and that water will be pumped upstairs to the main system beds where they'll run, the water will run through the beds and then go back down um, into the tanks. And we had talked about doing trout for those systems originally, but um, probably a year or two ago, we decided we would prefer to try um, hybrid striped bass. Um, it's a kind of more interesting fish for us to do. They also um, line up really well with our temperature ranges um, for water temperature in our basement space. Right now, we only have, I don't know how many there are exactly, maybe 70, um, maybe less um, baby hybrid striped bass that I have kind of in a, what I call a nursery tank. So um, they came, they're this big, they're now maybe this big. Um, they're not connected to any beds yet. So we're just growing them up, trying to get them big enough so that they can be part of like the fuel for our system. How big do you want them to get? Um, well, eventually we'll like harvest, you know, harvest them when they're, I don't know, somewhere, whatever yeah. Kara tells me, somewhere <laughs> in the, in the full plate size, we want like a good sized fish. Um, to put them into the main system, it's kind of a question of either quantity of fish or size of fish. Right now, the, the you know, 50 to 70 tiny fish, if we tried to put them in one of our big tanks, it's just the, it, it wouldn't do anything. Like the amount that they're producing wouldn't be enough to actually fuel that system. Um, if we had, you know, 700 of them that size, we could put them into those tanks sooner. So I'm waiting for them to get to a size where I don't feel like they're going to get lost in there. Um, but it's, this is our first round. So this is very much like a learn as we go process. Um, so right now upstairs, we have two functioning systems with tilapia, which are the most common fish used in aquaponics um, with good reason. They're like total troopers. They'll kind of withstand anything. Um, and their temperature range matches up really nicely with what plants prefer. So more like the seventies. So we have 20 full grown tilapia that we run in what we call our hothouse system. It's kind of a mini greenhouse within the greenhouse. Um, and that will always be an independent system. It's, we have that little greenhouse in the greenhouse because it allows us to keep a space warm enough to have those tilapia year round to grow some more warm loving crops year round. Um, it gives us a space that we can experiment in. Um, you know, once our main system is running, that's really just going to have to like 
kind of be the the engine, really just crank out as much as we can um, more regularly. But having this separate system will let us still do that experimentation and kind of educational um, space that we want to have. Then we have right now a temporary system. Um, we call it our east side system because it's on the east side of the building. And that has about 100, 150 um, juvenile tilapia, you know, maybe the size or so. Um, this is a podcast, two inches, three inches long, three inches maybe. <laughs> and um, uh, they are supplying nutrients for three additional large grow beds. Um, and that system, the hothouse we've had running since August of 2019, a little over a year. And the east side system has been going since July, so a few months. Um, so they're in very different places in terms of kind of their cycling. It takes a little while for aquaponic systems to build up that healthy bacterial culture that they need to really um, crank out produce. And so we're just seeing our east side system now kind of come online with a little bit stronger production. Um, and that's in part, the fish are growing and so we're feeding them more. So they're producing more waste and that's also adding to the amount of nutrients in our system. Cool. What's something that you're really excited about right now? Like you talked about <clears throat> experimentation. Um, I'm really excited. So our main system, although we don't have any fish in there right now, we are starting to run those pumps and, um, we've got some plants in there that we're currently just fertilizing with like a seaweed based fertilizer, squid based fertilizer. Um, we can't put anything in there that, um, would ultimately not be healthy for fish because we will be transitioning fish in there. So we just are using those kind of, um, super organic fertilizers, um, which is better anyway, um, for us, but I'm really excited to get that system flowing and to start getting some plants growing in there, because I think it's just going to fill the space with so much more activity and, um, plant life. And it'll give us a lot of the information we need about system flow and system dynamics that will ultimately lead to the next step of bringing that system fully online. So that's super exciting. I am really excited. We just started, um, this is week three of our CSA. Um, so we just started a small CSA and um, that's been really fun just to connect with some more customers a little bit more closely um, and to kind of come up with, okay, what can I give them for a little variety every week? And um, what do I want to try growing for the CSA? And, and, and that's been fun, um, especially kind of leading into the cooler months. I think people are happy to get local produce as it stops becoming as readily available, um, you know, from the farmer's market or less variety, I guess, at the farmer's market, there's still great stuff here around here, but, um, yeah, so that's been really fun. I'm, we have a great intern from USM this year, so I'm super excited about her. She's been doing awesome. We have her for the full year. So it's great to have, like, I'm often working by myself up there. So I love having, um, another person to collaborate with. And then we're also, um, partnering with, um, Theo Willis, who is a, um, he has an aquaponic system at USM, Cascolos, I think is how it's pronounced, is the name of his company. They do both um, kelp and aquaponics, and then he makes this um, fertilizer using the kelp and his aquaponic 
um, extra fish waste. Um, and he's been collaborating with us. And so it's been really nice to have that exchange of ideas and, um, kind of, again, just like getting things moving a little more inspiration that way. I always get jazzed when I hear about kelp. One of my projects senior year was to do like a small kelp aquaculture line. It's like oh, cool. 50 or like, I think it was actually 50, um, very small, but, um, that kelp did go to Bowdoin's organic garden and the dining halls. So that's awesome. Oh, that that's great. Kelp in, in an aquaponic system too. Is like salt an issue or is that? No, they're, they're grown separately. So yeah, I didn't say that very carefully. So he has a kelp farm. Okay. And then okay. he also has an aquaponics farm. So okay. they don't actually overlap except that he uses, you know, he fertilizes with the um, sort of kelp that's and, nice. um, but yeah, I, I also, I'm personally not involved in any kelp farming and I don't really know anything about it, but I also think it's really exciting. And I had done a project at one point um, when I was in school with Atlantic Sea Farms, who, you know, is yeah. a, kind of a cool food company. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they've grown a ton in the past couple of years. So it's been really cool to see that. And I also love eating seaweed. So it's just fun to see more seaweed products available. And yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm so I'm curious about like aquaponic systems like relative to traditional forms of agriculture. Can you talk about like water conservation, any mm. forms of energy conservation that is involved in that process? Like what what to you are the the big advantages? Sure. So I really don't see them as like one over the other. I see them as kind of parts to a solution. Or, mm. And so whereas traditional agriculture, um, organic agriculture, it preserves farmland that needs to be kept as farmland. Um, you know, it Im improves biodiversity and our environment. Um, there's just a million important things that it kind of preserves some traditional ways of life. It's like there are so many things that are really important that um, aquaponics is not going to be a part of the answer. Um, I think what aquaponics can do is fill some of the gaps. So if we're trying to feed, you know, 8 billion people or whatever, it's probably like, going to be like 10 billion pretty soon. I mean, it's just, you know, we've got this really ever increasing population, um, and organic farming, just that we don't have the land area to feed everybody with organic farming, but we want to get away from, you know, um, depleting forms of kind of conventional agriculture. So something like aquaponics, which can be super space efficient, super water efficient, um, could really be a great way to um, fill some of those gaps, I think, especially on a hyper local level. So um, it does use a lot less water, um, because which is somewhat counterintuitive because the whole system is water. Um, but because it recirculates, you're really, um, you know, it takes a lot. When I fill up a tank, it's a lot of water, but then it's in there for months and months. Um, and whereas with agriculture out in a field, um, a lot of that water is just evaporating or running off and not actually making it to the plant itself. Um, aqu aquaponics is energy intensive. Um, you're running pumps. If you're growing year round, you're often running lights. 
um, your heating. So it's not necessarily that it's, you know, this super low energy way of growing. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity for being creative in terms of how you generate that energy. Um, and like I said, I think it really fits well with this hyper-local model. So you're not using a lot of fuel, like you're not running tractors. Um, ideally you're not shipping far away. Um, there's, I think a really great opportunity for solar. I wish that we could have some solar attached to our building. Um, the company that built our greenhouse part of the structure has experimented with having solar panels glued right onto the greenhouse, um, which provides some shading, which is actually good in the summer, you need some shading, um, and then obviously also generates some energy. So I think that um, aquaponics provides an opportunity to kind of um, come up with some different ways of producing food efficiently. Um, like I said, that can fill those gaps that traditional agriculture um, is just, I don't think can do on its own um, given how many people are on the planet at this point. Um, and so, you know, I think it sort of remains to be seen how successful aquaponics is. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a super well-proven concept in terms of cost of startup, cost of operating, um, and what you're able to produce. There's a really big risk of catastrophic failure in aquaponics because if something goes wrong, it can snowball and go really wrong. So if you lose your air system, if you don't get air back, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, all your fish might die. And then you have hundreds of dead fish just rotting in your tank. And then, yeah, like it, it can get really bad really quickly. Um, and, you know, so I think it's sort of a, I think that's why we want to be a part of the discussion, trying to how, how to figure out how to do aquaponics well um, at different scales. And I think there are also, you know, other, um, companies that are really proving it on a more commercial scale as well. So are those companies that are doing it at a commercial scale, but also others like you doing it at a smaller scale, are those companies having success across Maine, New England, other parts of the country? I don't really know is the short answer. Um, I think some success, I mean, like, I know we had talked a little bit about Springworks, um, or we at least had mentioned it. So I mean, they seem like they're doing a great job growing. Um, I think they're a really cool company. They're very different from us in that they're going for much more of like a commercial production um, scale. And so I'm excited to see what happens with them. I think they, I think that some of their revenue is like still um, not necessarily focused in production, but is, you know, building, I think they do like classroom systems and things like that. So I'm, I actually, I don't know exactly what their business model is or, or how successful it is at this point, but I think they're really headed in a great direction. I know there's some places elsewhere that have managed to do pretty well, but I think that most of them at this point are reliant on alternate sources of income, like education and system building for other places. I, um, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of any aquaponics farms that I know of, and I certainly don't know them all, um, that are just doing it with 
production. Um, that being said, it's probably more likely I've heard of the ones that offer educational programs because they're probably trying to um, sell those programs. And so they're marketing, um, whereas the other ones maybe aren't having quite the same presence. But I think it really feels like there's been a bit of a building momentum. You hear more and more about aquaponics now. And so I think it is, um, it's a concept that's in the process of kind of reaching the next level. And what is that next level for you in terms of education and community outreach? I would love, I think our first goal needs to be production and getting up to full production. But then in terms of um, community outreach and education, I mean, we've had interns through USM. Like I said, I have one now who's great. Um, I've loved that program and I would love to have more interns. Um, and so that's one thing. I'd also love to add um, like a field trip program, you know, have a elementary school class or something come visit for the day and, and have that be a part of what we can do right now. We just, there's no way we're, we're set up for that. Um, but in the future, that would be great. I am starting to do public tours. Um, and that has been a great way to, we're just getting going, but really great way to just kind of keep the conversation going with the community a little bit more, open ourselves up. Um, which has always been our goal, but the facility has not really been in a state to do that. But now kind of getting to the point where we can open up to the community a bit more. Um, I, I would love to just do, I mean, I would love to spend half my time doing like tours and educational programs and things like that. I, I can't right now. Um, but I do think once we are able to get to that next phase, all different levels of from elementary school field trips to, you know, a high school intern who comes once a week to, you know, university intern who does 10 hours a week to like a graduate intern who's running some, you know, sophisticated production experiment. You know, I think anything and everything in that, in that range is ultimately um, on the table. Awesome. So um, we were checking out the website and it mentions you have a degree in sustainable business. Um, and we were wondering, like, how did that prepare you for um, starting at Canopy Farms? And are there things that you wish you had learned that you're learning on the ground? Yeah, so I, I did that degree while I was starting Canopy Farms. Oh, cool. So it's kind of happening at the same time. Um, I, when I was an undergraduate, I studied psych and French. So here I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I studied sustainable business, um, or I was, it was an MBA with a concentration in sustainable business at USM. I think one of the important things I learned, and I can't say I always follow through on, is the importance of having a plan, having a business model, having metrics that you're using to track your performance. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't pivot or change things as you go, but just having a vision that you're following moving forward um, is really important. And also um, grounding in when you're running a small business, it's like every day there are 50 things in 20 different categories that I could be spending my time doing. Um, and some of them are urgent and some of them aren't urgent, but they're super important. And, you know, having that vision, that, that business plan can kind of keep you, keep the momentum moving forward. Um, so I think that's something that 
that planning um, was often a part of the conversation in school. I think the other thing that um, I would say, especially as relates to sustainable business, is um, learning more in depth about the framework of the triple bottom line, which um, is kind of a concept that intuitively I think I already thought a lot about, um, but it was nice to have these words put to it. So that triple bottom line being, you know, um, profit, planet, people, instead of just profit. Um, so looking at sustainability, not just in terms of being green, um, but also in terms of your environmental impact, um, your social impact, and then also um, the health of your business, sort of your governance practices and how you operate. Because if any of those things are out of balance, you're ultimately not going to be a sustainable business because um, you can't, it doesn't matter how environmentally sustainable you are if you fail as a company. So <laughs> it's pretty important. So I think that was, um, again, kind of putting words to that um, was helpful in terms of um, getting going, um, thinking about how do we build a company that takes all of those things into account as we go. Um, I think I wish that I had a little more experience um, from school in some of the nitty gritty, like accounting and actually like how to do a business plan. Um, surprisingly, that wasn't really something that I think the MBA program is more focused on larger companies. It wasn't often um, super like focused on being an entrepreneur or working in a really small business. So I think um, a lot of that has been, yeah, learn as I go, which is also great, um, but sometimes takes a little more time. You're talking about the priorities that you have. And of course those priorities are profit plans, people in the large mm -hmm. plan, but like day to day, and you have those 20 tasks to do. Mm -hmm. What are your priorities for like what you want to do versus what you have to do? Sure. Um, well, like I already said, what I would love to do all the time is just like, yeah. like the education community outreach side. I mean, I just love that. And um, it brings a lot of meaning to the work. There are certain tasks that have to get done twice a day, every day, feeding the fish, um, you know, checking on the plants, um, sort of some general just maintenance tasks. Um, there's things that happen, you know, once a day or once a week. And, and those tasks are always going to be the kind of, like, I get there in the morning, I do my checks, you know, I kind of have to have to structure a certain amount of day, my day around those, um, those really tangible things. But in terms of like what to turn my attention to, um, often there's some sort of fire to put out you know, right now I'm dealing with an aphid problem. And so I have to spend a significant portion of my day dealing with that. Um, or, you know, the other day, um, one of my airlines broke. And so I had to go to Lowe's and get the supplies I needed to fix the airline and fix the airline. So that actually does take up a fair amount of time. Um, and then there's things that are kind of thinking about the next step, like seeding. You know, I need to think, okay, in three months, I need to have 
20 heads of lettuce and what day do I want to plant them on? What day do I want to transplant them on? You know, how am I going to get them through the system? And so right now, I think a lot of my focus needs to be on the priority of like planting and growing more because we don't quite have our systems developed to um, have that just come like second nature, you know, like I've, I've worked at established farms where um, they know that on this date, they plant this many cucumber seedlings. And, you know, it's kind of like they have a plan and they can follow it out. We're still in the process of sort of figuring out what that plan needs to be. And then, you know, managing the CSA, trying to get um, a post up on Instagram or something like that to try and <laughs> to let people know what we're doing. Um, you know, we're, thinking about like facility maintenance, often there's something weird happening in the building that I'm dealing with. Um, so I think often now it feels like those day-to-day -day, um, demanding, attention demanding tasks really take up a lot of time. And I think the goal, the arc that I'm hoping for and that I think we're headed towards is to be able to spend a larger proportion on of my time um, on planning and sort of, um, figuring out how to take it to the next level. That's awesome. Um, has COVID impacted you in significant ways? I'm assuming yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, in no small part because we're so connected to the restaurants. So, um, because we're a new company, we are not, um, we are still reliant on revenue from the restaurants to support our, our operations and the revenue from the restaurants. Um, it's like, you know, since March, we've only been mostly takeout. Um, we had some outdoor dining, but it's just not a typical year in any sense. Um, and so that's had a big impact. Um, we were just about to hire somebody and expand operations I think I had an interview scheduled with someone for something like March 17th. And then I <laughs> had to call them and say, uh, we're not hiring anybody right now. I would, you know, so cancel that. Um, and so that kind of has changed just resource availability and um, needing to be much more aware of like cash flow and um, sort of overall company health. Additionally, it's changed what we're growing. So when the restaurant was open, I would grow different things than what now I'm growing, which is more geared towards um, direct to consumer. So we've been selling these mystery mix bags, which is a bag of produce. Someone pays 1088 and then they don't know what they're going to get, but they'll get a variety of at least three different things. Um, so we sell some of those. And then of course the CSA that I mentioned. Um, and then what I do grow for the restaurant it, because they're focused more on takeout and less on like specials. Um, it is a little bit more difficult for them to like, just take sort of whatever small crop of something I have and make a dish out of it. Um, they don't really want things like microgreens and those beautiful nasturtium flowers quite as much because for takeout, it's just not the same experience. So it's changed what we grow. It's changed, you know, how we're approaching trying to sell things more directly to consumer rather than um, through the restaurant. Um, and it's also, I mean, just affected like 
community outreach, you know, when I'm doing these tours now, it's like, you have to limit them in size and, um, you know, have to yell at people through my mask from six feet away over the sounds of the pumps in the greenhouse. You know, it's a very different experience. Um, I also was hope I had a high school intern who was going to be with us over the summer. And then um, because of COVID, we just weren't having anyone additionally on site. So then that fell through. So there's just been um, a lot of little things and then a couple big things. But I think like everybody else, it's um, no matter how directly it affects your business, it also has just completely affected everybody's life in such a fundamental way that I think it's going to feel really different no matter what. Yeah. To turn to the other big societal challenge that we're facing, wondering about <laughs> climate change. Um, conventional farms are definitely facing a lot of challenges on that front, especially in Maine. How do aquaponics farms respond? Well, we're less vulnerable to certain things like rain and drought and um, weather generally um, yeah. because we have we're in a controlled environment. So um, obviously water is part of our system. We, you know, we have to be concerned certainly about water availability at large, but in terms of like the seasonal fluctuations in rainfall um, that I know really affect my friends who are organic farmers, I don't have to worry about that. Um, same with like some other kind of more immediate weather patterns. I think aquaponics is kind of both a, a response to and a proposed solution to climate change in terms of, um, again, like trying to feed more people in a smaller space. Um, ultimately, even though it's still energy intensive, like ultimately aiming towards finding ways to um, generate that, uh, that energy um, in a more sustainable way, you know, kind of thinking about um, how aquaponics can ultimately be low impact. I mean, I think of it as low impact already, but like even more so. I mean, another thing is just like societal changes. Like how are people going to summer vacation in the future? We're so reliant on, um, you know, tourist income. Um, what's gonna happen to the state of Maine? We seem like we're in pretty good shape compared to a lot of other places, but just thinking about like, how are businesses and at large going to be affected by climate change? And I think we don't fully know, but like, you know, the price of fuel going way up suddenly, that would hugely affect us and it would hugely affect our customers. Um, and we are still really reliant on people having, you know, we're not, um, we're on the expensive end of produce. And so if people are really feeling their um, budgets, less flexible, um, we're not, you know, we're not going to be the budget option for the people. Um, so I guess in terms of thinking about climate change and like how we want to be a part of the solution, I think that is a big motivation for why we're doing what we're doing is the idea of being a more green company of kind of like um, folding in those efficiencies and being forward looking. Um, but in terms of being able to respond to all of the ways that climate change is going to impact things, I think, you know, again, we're trying to set ourselves up to be um, a company that has a certain amount of flex and we'll see <laughs> as things unfold kind of what happens. Um, you know, 
I'm feeling more hopeful this week than I was a week and a half ago. So, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see what can actually get done, what support can actually be given to agriculture and small businesses um, who are trying to be part of the solution. But we'll see. You've already weathered the storm of COVID for several months. So you've proven your flexibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So circling back to the CSA, what is your like time frame? And if somebody wanted to join that, is that still a possibility? Like what's, can you just tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. So we, right now we have a really small group. Um, so it sold out pretty quickly. And that's just because of the capacity we have right now to, to grow. So um, we're doing 10 week sessions. So kind of short sessions. Um, and we're in week three of our first session probably in about a month, I'll be announcing sale of the second session, which I'm hoping to grow a little bit um, in size. And luckily I already have a wait list, so I'm in good shape. But if anybody is interested um, on our website, there's a page about it and I can put them on the mailing list so they can find out when they go on sale. Um, and then in the meantime, we also sell those mystery mix bags through the restaurant. So those are not always available, but I try to always have a couple um, as we have the produce. So our last question, and we try to ask everyone this, is what does sustainability mean to you? <laughs> mm. So I think I sort of already touched on this, but the idea that sustainability is not just about the environment, it's really about the ability to sustain in the long run. So that means sound governance practices. It means, um, you know, obviously thinking about your environmental impact. It also means having good jobs for people that they can not go crazy working, you know, like having a rewarding job, um, kind of a happy workplace. <laughs> um, and yeah, forming relationships with the community. So it's kind of, it's all of those things. It's the planet, it's people, it's profit. Um, and I think that if you are missing one, um, then you're not really as sustainable as you might think you are. Great thoughts. Thank you. You're welcome. For more information about what you've heard today, check out Canopy Farms online or visit Taoyuan and Zaza Cafe to try some produce from the greenhouse. I think it'll be nice for people to visit in the winter when it's, you know, cold and snowy outside and they can come in and like get a little plant time. Throughout the 2020-2021 academic year, we will be publishing episodes online at bowden.edu slash sustainability under the green tea tab. There you can also find show notes and descriptions of past episodes. Green tea features interviews with Brunswick and Bowden community members with a focus on sustainability. Thanks for Thanks listening. For listening. <laughs>